Well, good morning. If you would turn to Romans chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For this promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No Unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. 
That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Well, who's your father? As a child, I was proud that my dad was a manager. He had a bunch of people on his staff. He had a secretary. I didn't even know what a manager was, but I knew it must have, ha- must have been a good thing because dad had his own office. Sometimes he took us kids to his office on Saturdays when no one else was there. And it was like going into a sanctuary. Office, wood trim, carpet, Canadian flag, and my dad's huge wooden desk overlooking the cenotaph. I was proud because dad was the boss. And I figured if I ever got into a my dad is greater than your dad competition, I was a sure winner. Now the father of the Jewish nation was Abraham. Verse 1 tells us, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Every Jew traced their lineage back to Abraham. The word forefather here means protogenitor, the first ancestor. And this was a matter of pride to the Jewish nation. And Paul is now re-entering his dialogue with the Jewish teacher in the church. And he says in verse 2, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? He says, what does it say in the book of Genesis? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He quotes here from Genesis 15. When Abraham was concerned and told God that he had no offspring, and a member of his household was going to be his heir, one of his servants, And the word of the Lord came to Abraham and said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And God brought him outside and said, And said this, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your offspring be. And then we read these words, Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it, God counted it as righteousness. He counted his faith as righteousness. Now, the Jewish pride that they had in Abraham was because over time, they saw Abraham as a poster child for obedience to God. 
in some of their ancient writings, they say things like this. We find that Abraham, our father, performed the whole law before it was given. The book of Jubilees in Sirach says things like this. Abraham, Abraham is the exemplar of the Mosaic law. In effect, they had come to see Abraham as perfect according to the law of God. And that it was because of Abraham's perfection in obedience that God counted him righteous. What they had come and begin to believe in error was that God owed Abraham righteousness because of his obedience. That God was in debt to Abraham and so would pay him out, counted to him, reckoned to him. Verse 4 says this, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And they saw that Abraham was due God's favor. He had earned it. One of their ancient writings, Maccabees chapter 2 says this, Was not Abraham found faithful in temptation? And it was counted to him as righteousness. That is, he was faithful. He was obedient. You know, if there was a my father is greater than your father competition, the Jewish person was sure that he would win. In effect, Abraham, they believed, was so good that God owed him salvation. And so... Abraham's children in the flesh, the Jewish nation, God owed them salvation was how the thinking went. But no, Paul destroys their awful error. Abraham was not counted righteous because of his works. Verse 5 says this, and to the one who does not work but believes in him, that is God, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. It's not his faithfulness that is commended, but his faith in God that is commended. It's his faith in God that is counted as righteousness. David is offered up here as uh, another Uh, who experienced the blessings of God. He says in verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those, he says, whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Mm -hmm. Notice the awareness of sin here. In like manner, Abraham was a sinner who could not earn God's blessing, who could not earn God's favor. And in like manner, as we've seen throughout Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, all are sinners, Gentiles 
And Jews together are sinners. And we can't earn God's favor or his blessing. Now some of you listening, you have long assumed that if you are good, God will give you heaven. That if you are good, God will accept you. That somehow your goodness puts God in your debt and he will pay you out one day what you have earned. You know, when you go to work, you expect to be paid with a paycheck. You're given the wages agreed on. If your employer gave you a check and said, this is a gift, you would say, no, it's not a gift. I earned this. This is the sort of transaction that has settled into the fallen human heart and mind in our relationship with God. We interact with this sort of transaction in our other relationships. A child, we teach our children from an early age, really, that if they are good, they will get a reward. If you're good, we say to our children, if they're good on their online classes right now, then in the evening, perhaps they can have popcorn and a pop. Or if they're good and they do their chores, they will get an hour of PlayStation time. Or if they eat their vegetables, then they get their desserts. And my family, Dad, always gave away his dessert to make sure there was enough for us kids. We are taught from an early age If I'm good enough, then some reward is going to come my way. But this sort of thinking is not how we are to relate to God, our creator. We are not saved by our works. We are never good enough for God's holiness. We have nothing to trade with. He says in chapter 3, doesn't he, there is no one good. We can't put God in our debt. We can't earn heaven. Adam and Eve sinned and had to be removed from the Garden of Eden, from God's presence. How much more fallen are we? And very sadly, the human race on Judgment Day is going to demand their wages from God. They're going to demand their earnings from God, expecting life. They're going to be saying to God, they're expecting, you owe me my wages. And as some of you are thinking about a scripture verse, aren't you, that comes up in chapter 5 of Romans says the wages of sin is death. That we are all sinners. This is established and irrefutable. And the payout, we are told, the earnings of our sin is death. The pay envelope has death in it. For Abraham and for David, for all of us. What we are actually owed by God is death, eternal death. 
because of our heart rebellion, because of our willful sins, because of our fallen natures. But you remember there is more to that verse in Romans chapter 5. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God, life. He mentions this gift in Romans chapter 3. We are justified by grace as a gift. It's a gift. Romans 4 verse 4 here. He says in our text, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. A gift is given, it is received, it isn't owed, it isn't earned. It's just because (laughs) we can understand this. This past week, one of our grandchildren, uh, we gave a gift of a kite to one of our grandchildren. Just because, not because it was earned, but just because. And this kite is currently hanging from the only lighting pole in Woodland Park in Petrolia. (laughs) If you want to see it, you can see it there. God's salvation, eternal life, forgiveness, and all his good things are a gift from him. This is what grace means unmerited favor. It's given. It's not earned. It's given to those who believe. Our works can't save us. They can only give us death. But the gift of God is available to all who will receive it, to all who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're young, you think your dad is invincible He is a giant. He can do no wrong. (laughs) But in time, as you grow, you learn better, don't you? That your father had issues too. That he had his problems and his failings and his flaws and his sins. It can be disappointing to find that your father has clay feet. But then you begin to relate to your father better, to understand him more, because we are not so different. We have clay feet as well. And our text is demonstrating that Abraham, the father of Israel, had clay feet too. It was not his faithfulness to God that was counted as righteous but his faith in God that was counted as righteousness. He took Yahweh at his word and trusted even when he had no evidence. And there's no room for boasting in our works or even in what the Jew would boast in their circumcision. The Jewish teacher would have seen this as a sign uh, on the body that they belonged to the Lord. And because Gentiles, Romans, would lack this sign, they didn't belong to the Lord. 
And that was another reason the Jewish teacher would boast. But our text demolishes this argument as well. Look at verse 10. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Wow. He says Abraham's faith came first and after that came circumcision. Abraham's faith in God was counted as righteousness. That means, as he says, circumcision was a sign or a seal of that which had already occurred in Abraham's life. Circumcision didn't set them apart for God. It just confirmed what had already happened in Abraham's life and in his heart and his faith in God. And now comes the words in our text that would shake their world. Look at verse 11. He says halfway through the verse, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. He's saying all here. Wow. Abraham is the father of all who believe, verse 11 says. Whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you're a Jew or Gentile, faith in God. Faith in God makes Abraham your protogenitor, your ancestor in faith. Your first father. Now the Jew boasted in Abraham. Abraham was theirs, they said. They believed wrongly that Abraham kept the law. And because he was circumcised, that they belonged to God themselves. And Paul is saying, no, Abraham was a sinner who needed grace. He had faith in God before he was circumcised. And Abraham is just not just your father. He's the father of Gentile believers too, of anyone who has faith in God. And for the Gentile Christian in the church in Rome, well, they needed to stop looking down on the Jews as well. You know, they saw Israel as sort of a backwater place, um, sort of ethnic nobodies. The Gentile Christians had all the leadership within the churches now as the Jewish Christians were coming back into the city from their exile. And it was sort of the attitude, who do you think you are coming here and wanting to serve and wanting to lead? And Paul has a message for them as well. Abraham is your father too in faith. Look at verse 16. That is why it depends on faith, he says. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, the Jew, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, the Gentile, who is the father of us all. 
as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He's saying both Jew and Gentile, you can inherit from God legitimately because Abraham is your father in faith. He builds on this argument in other places in the epistles, certainly the book of Galatians, where he says, know that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So in the church, no one could say, my dad is greater than your dad, because what he's saying is they had the same dad in faith. And faith in God was the determining factor of who their father was. Paul concludes by giving us a good understanding of faith before Christ in the Old Testament. He turns to the history of the pregnancy of Sarah and God's promise that they'll have a child. In verse 19, look there, he says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. He grew strong in his faith, and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, you see. That God would bring life from death, comparable to the resurrection power of God, God raised Jesus from the dead in verse 24. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now, Abraham's faith is described as belief against evidence. Their bodies were as good as dead. Believing what he was told by God. Taking God at his word. Resolute in faith. Despite what they could see and trusting and unwavering concerning the promise of God. And giving God the glory in it all. Verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Wow. You know, he is our father too. He says in verse 24, but for ours also it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. It's for us as well. Abraham is our father in faith. We who have the fullness of the revelation of God in Christ Jesus, Lord and Savior, who took our sins to the cross and in whom we find forgiveness, healing, life, not death. Don't make the awful error of relying on your works, relying on your pay, what you think you've earned from God. That is death to you, and that will be death for you. Instead, Confess your sins, admit them and repent of them, and rely solely on God himself, 
who gave his son to be your savior and your Lord. Put your faith in Jesus and join with him in the family of faith. He who was raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, and is coming again as he promised. You know, we're entering a time in history when our faith will be stretched. For some, our faith is already being stretched, stretched to the limits. The culture in which we live, the moral disarray, the redefining of gender, the limits on acceptable speech, the distractions of toxic discourse on social media, the destruction of people who don't agree with the prevailing narratives of how to view society, the current COVID differences of, of opinions, the anti-authority undercurrent and lack of trust in governing bodies, the rise of conspiracy thinking as a consequence of this lack of trust and the anger and frustration of many people. Our faith in God will be stretched. This past week in a meeting with AGC leaders, it was clear that many of our churches are stressed and many elder boards are polarized and churches are facing divisions in internally and some things are getting personal over how to respond in the current times one pastor was emotionally weary and the toll of conflict was was heavy on him he while he prayed he i was sure he was going to weep over the pain that he was enduring and our leaders in the AGC reported that in the West and in Ontario, a number of our churches are in conflict. Our faith in God, his word, and his son, and all of his promise to us is going to be tested and will be stretched at times. Is God still sovereign? Is his providence working itself out, even in these COVID restrictions? This last year has shown some of the idols of our fellow countrymen, our safety and security and health, and, and anything can be sacrificed to these idols. But does the church of Christ have some idols too? Perhaps we have, we share our community's idols or even have some that we add on. Perhaps our comfort and prosperity and our conveniences and our rights and our distrust and perhaps looking down on other Christians or boasting or, or our unwillingness to suffer. 
You know, this is no time to be going through the motions of Christianity. It's no time to be falling away. Jesus says in Matthew 24, as he speaks about the faith and those who name his name, he says, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Who endures in faith, you see. Faith in God to the end. We asked in our recent elders meeting, could it be that the Lord is pruning his church in the West, purifying his church, preparing his church for what is yet to come? In our elders meeting, as we look over the landscape of current events, as we always do, we did agree that the present lockdowns, while being a hardship, they are not persecution. And perhaps they are a pruning time for God's people. That God isn't really concerned about protests, but he is concerned about our attitude of repentance, about our faith. He's concerned about how fruitful we are in Christ, how loving and how united. What is coming will need faith in him. And it will need the unity expressed through the common bonds of faith. And Paul is writing here in Romans 4, underlining the unity within the congregations of the churches of Rome. Underlining the common bonds because they have a common father in faith, Abraham. And his legacy is a legacy of faith, one that you and I share who have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we together are family then. But more than Abraham, we have a heavenly father, don't we? He is the manager of all things of all events, of all times. And our Father is the best Father, the only Father. Let me close with these scriptures. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again 
to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you worked in our life, granting us faith. Our faith is in you and the saving work of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. Help us not lose sight of um, the times that we live in and help us to, Father, not seek to uh, work our way into your favor, but to embrace instead your unmerited, your gift of salvation. Thank you, Father, for your word, for the common bonds of unity that we share in Christ Jesus here at People's Church, and that you are pruning us, purifying us, that you are doing a work in us, Lord, preparing us even for the days ahead. May our faith be strong, unwavering, bold, and Lord, knowing that our faith is in you, it gives us comfort and hope. You are faithful and true. And so we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.